Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to this episode of Athletic Obscure, the podcast that is the home of the weird, strange, and unknown in sports. My name is Seth Mormon, and across the table from me, as always, is my good friend Richard Manning. Rich, how are you doing? Doing all right, Seth. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. Just got back into town for a little trip to Seattle. I saw that you were in Seattle. How'd that go for you? It was great. I got to go see a, a Kraken game. They got, they got some good things going on there in Seattle. That town is really falling in love with hockey, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great. I was able to do uh, a little... Um, uh, podcast uh, with my friend JD K Winnikin. Nice. Yeah, we had invited him on our on our show. That's right for December, and then COVID. We blew all us up. got COVID jail. Yeah. yeah. So I was on uh, his show, which is called uh, "This Show Is All About You." Uh, it actually it's more than just a podcast because it was actually on the radio KKNW eleven fifty a.m. in Seattle. Uh, wow, I yeah. did not know JD had a had a legit radio show. That's I a legit was, radio. It was show. a dog and pony show like us. No, no, no. I mean, this is this was the real deal. I was in a whole studio. There was like an engineer. It was like by the time. I mean, we had to watch the clock. We had to get out on time. It was it was great. We don't have to watch the clock here. This is great. We can just do our own thing. So yeah. Uh, if you are joining us because you listen to JDK's show, uh, we are uh, glad that you're here. Welcome, welcome. Last episode, if you didn't get uh, to listen to that, we said that we'd be uh, focusing on the Harlem Globetrotters. But guess what? We're not. We're not. Uh, There's a good reason for this, though. There is some amazing uh, richness to the story of the Globetrotters that I don't think Rich and I really fully understood. And as we started doing some of the research, we realized, boy, we need to give this a little bit more time. A lot more time, because we're really going to be focusing on one aspect that uh, is really kind of a quirky part of uh, the Globetrotter history. But uh, as it turns out, as Seth and I have dug into this, there is so much more to the Harlem Globetrotters that deserves a, a full breadth of attention. Yeah, right. It might be a long episode, or we might even decide to do it in two parts. It's just, there's a lot there. It's And it's fascinating. If you like this show, I, I think you're going to love the story of the Harlem Globetrotters. For Absolutely. Sure. All right. So we're going to punt today. Yep. But we got a great topic, uh, and uh, I want to um, get us into this by giving a shout out to a good friend of mine named Wes. Wes uh, told me about this docuseries on Netflix called Home Game. Have you heard of this, Rich? I have not. Okay. So you're going to buckle in and uh, be surprised this whole episode. All right. So unlike any of the other episodes that we've had before, I'm the only one who has a piece of paper in front of me. Richard is just here to uh, to enjoy. To, to And bounce, yeah. yeah just to uh, enjoy along with you guys. Um, so the series profiles unique and dangerous traditional sports from around the world, as well as the communities and cultures where they thrive. Okay, so this kind of sounds a little like uh, the old wide world of sports that ABC used to do back exactly. in the exactly the sixties, seventies, and eighties. Exactly, exactly. So I have to ask you: Do you have any fond memories of wide world of sports? I mean, the 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 thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. The agony you know, of defeat. You yeah. remember all of that? Um, I remember um, uh, uh, ice skating, barrel jumping. Okay. Remember the barrel jumping? I do. Yeah. And then I think the the famous one is the motorcycles on ice. Motorcycles on ice that happened like in this, like seventy four, and it was featured by a very young Al Michaels doing right. the play by play. Right. So so home game is very much in that vein of wide wide world of sports. Okay. Uh, and it's it's and it's beautifully shot. It, it's it's wonderful. So big thanks to my friend Wes uh, for uh, pointing that out to me. If you want to go into to Netflix and check this out, you can. I'm not going to spoil the entire episode but i want to just give you some highlights of some of the games there are eight episodes in total 
you can watch all of them. We're going to talk about four of the particular episodes. All right. All right. Now, in some ways, um, we have home games here in the U.S. Right. We just don't necessarily think of them as being weird or odd. The big one is American football. Absolutely. Yeah. It has become more popular worldwide. Right. You know, between Canada and even more so the United States, we've really embraced American football. But right. it's it's an odd sport. It's like when we start looking at Australian rules football. Right. Or, you know, even looking at Canadian football. Yeah. Uh, different brand. Canadian football is a completely different a sport that involves different strategy. Uh, absolutely. And, and maybe I can think of um, like uh, uh, hurling in Ireland, right. we've, which we've mentioned on the show a couple times before. Which or is... Highlight, which oh, uh, yeah. was you know a sport that happened in the 80s, um, and they really tried to take it off, take off uh, based out of uh, Florida, especially in the Miami area. Well, and, and even for in some ways, baseball, right? I mean, it's I mean, the world. A lot of places in the world play play cricket. Cricket, yeah. Uh, and there are some similarities to it, but it's very much different. It's it's an American home game. Yeah. And you might even be able to say that about basketball and volleyball too, in some yeah. ways. Well, it was basketball because it was invented by uh, James Naismith yep. as a means to give his athletes something to do in the winter. Yeah, a- absolutely. And so we're going to be looking at a couple of these cultural sports in uh, different countries and i think some are, are going to surprise you rich yeah. so we're going to make a, a trip to florence italy is where we're going to head first florence italy okay you ever been to italy i have not i haven't been to europe and this is my this is where i might a sad confession i have not been uh, to europe but the problem is and i actually had a talk with a, a colleague of mine about this this week it's like you tend to be one of two people you tend to go to and explore Europe at the expense of going to uh, explore the, the U.S. Sure. Or you explore the U.S. at the expense of exploring Europe. Yeah. Yep. And I would throw uh, Canada into the U.S. too because it's right there and Mexico as well. But, right. So, yeah, it's one of those things. But, yeah, I, I want to get that's really kind of I, I told my wife, it's like the first time we go to Europe, I kind of want to go to Italy. I want to go to Emilia Romagna. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's not like the touristy area of like Tuscany or whatever, lots of little villages and they'll do their own Amari and you know, and I just want to experience that. Absolutely, I've never been to Italy. I've been in Northern Europe quite a bit extensively mm-hmm. through there, but but the first place we're going to head to is Florence, Italy. They're be, they've been playing a game there for over two thousand years. Okay, this game began during the siege of Florence in fifty nine B C. Okay, and they're still playing it today. All right. Okay, that's that's like Roman Empire stuff. Exactly. All right. Exactly. And it was played by the people of Florence to show their strength and to kind of mock the advancing Roman army that the people of Florence were a whole lot stronger than them. Whoops. Right? And when I start talking about it, you'll see kind of what what I mean. All right. The sport is called calcio storico. Right. Okay. Calcio storico, basically rub, rugby mixed with soccer and a whole bunch of MMA. Thrown in there. What? Yeah, I know. How, how does the MMA go? I mean, hold okay. on, I'll, I'll get you there. Yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure, um, folks, this is a violent sport. So if you can't watch or stomach the MMA, don't watch this episode. All right. So just just so you know about that. So here are the rules. The rules of the game are simple. You have to take a round ball about the size of a soccer ball and put it in the net. Sounds easy, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. It's played on a sandy pitch, eighty meters long. 40 meters wide, and the goal net stretches the length of the uh, ends, right? All right. So it's a 40-meter-long goal. Now, if you get the ball in the net, you get one point. If you shoot and you miss, the other team gets a half a point. Okay. So so that's how you score. All right. Uh, Now, you know how wide? It's 80 by 40, so it's not big, so it's a lot smaller than a, a football Right, uh, field or soccer pitch or whatever, and it's twenty-seven versus twenty-seven. That's a lot of people for that small of a field, right? And you have positions distributed between keepers, defenders, and strikers. They play for fifty minutes. Okay, no halftime, and it's so violent that now they only play one tournament a year. Right? Okay, there are four teams. There are only four teams in the world that play. Calcio Storico. And each team represents a district in Florence. And you play for the district that you were born in. 
and you cannot ever change teams. All right. So only people born in that particular district are eligible to play on the Calcio Storico squad. Okay. And for our purposes, they we're just going to go by their colors. They have names too. There's the red, the white, the green, and the blue. Okay. Right? And so what they do is they play a semifinals where two of the teams play the other two teams, and then nine days later, the winners play each other. Okay. Now, the roots of the modern game actually go back to February 17th, 1530. Right, that's when they kind of uh, codified the rules, and they've been playing it exactly the same for almost 500 years. Yeah. So uh, back then, the winning team would get a cow. That's what you would win. Okay. And you got you got to roast the cow, and it would feed the team and the followers. So. All right. So that's kind of a. That sounds very upper Midwest. Right, right. Like a meat raffle. Like a meat raffle in Minnesota. Yeah, you ever been to a meat raffle? No, but I'm going to Minnesota at the end of March, and I think I'm going to try to find Go find to a one. meat raffle. I, I saw these things when I was in Minnesota. I saw things on the bus saying meat raffle, blah, blah, blah. And I had to ask some locals, I go, what is a meat raffle? I have no idea. But look it up, folks. It's, it's pretty amazing. I'm absolutely doing that. Yeah. All right. Uh, the prize still today is a cow, but All it's right. really just for show. They bring the cow out and then they bring it back. They don't. They don't slaughter it up or anything like that. Right. Do they actually? I mean, do they bring in like replacement meat? I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. Do I, they I, have like a nice bolognese sauce, and you know, just in the in the video, they I ended mean, up. It wouldn't be bolognese because it's not Bologna, but you know what I mean. Whatever. Yeah. Um. They were they were uh the winners, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. They were they had a bunch of beer afterwards, and they were super excited. Um, in this, um, oh, I, what I forgot to say is the participants receive no compensation for playing. It's completely volunteer. So it's incredibly ultra violent and violent, and uh, it's volunteer. Correct. Correct. What what's going now, on, Italy? I know, right? Got to talk. And uh, so oftentimes, there's so many injuries in the semifinal match that the the players who end up playing in the final match are, are a lot different. Because there is um, basically what what happens is, is that they they start the match they throw the ball in mm-hmm. and you want to try to to make it uh, to to run across the field and to score a goal. But what ends up happening is that basically it's a line brawl um, where you have everybody facing off and beating each other. And what you want to do is you want to. Uh, uh, incapacitate enough of the uh, opponents that it's easier for you to score a goal. This sounds kind of like the roots of war. Oh, because without it. Ever look at the history of war, uh, you know, the, the, the original, the oldest battles wasn't involving murder necessarily or killing. It was um, the first person that bleeds. Yeah. They, they're done. Yep. Yep. So they have a big buildup to the final. Uh, they're walking the streets from their particular uh, neighborhoods. They're lined with supporters that are going bananas. There's tons of pomp and circumstance. There's historical costumes. They've basically been wearing the same um, uh, outfits in on the pitch that they've been wearing for 500 years. Okay. It's, it's actually pretty, bru- uh, pretty beautiful, but it's also very, very brutal there's horses there's pageantry there's flags there's all sorts of things they throw the ball into play and basically it's a street fight with a little bit of rugby and soccer thrown in this kind of sounds like rollerball without the motorcycle yeah right exactly exactly if you don't know that reference look it up it's good you should stuff. watch it yeah now after a goal is scored the team switch sides and then they just keep going again until 50 minutes are up and there's really no penalties and it is wild I mean, they, they, it is MMA, many, many MMA fights with some people playing soccer and rugby in between. And it's just, it's just bonkers. That's crazy. And the juxtaposition of that stuff with all the pageantry and all that, and I'm thinking, like, if it goes back to 1530, that's like, you know, the, the Renaissance era. Exactly. So you have all of these great Renaissance and all these, you know, beautiful um, 
colorful things with all this bloodshed, apparently. Yeah, a, a dichotomy for sure. It's right? really strange. Well, again, I don't want to tell you much more than this, Rich, but you probably should watch it. Maybe during the break, I'll show you some highlights of it. And yeah, see it. that's... Maybe we can get some, some that of sounds your, gnarly. Yep. Uh, all right. Again, viewer discretion is advised. If you can't handle MMA, you don't really want to watch that one. All right. Let's move on. You ready? Yeah. We're going to move on to Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. Okay. Kyrgyzstan. Tell us where Kyrgyzstan is. Seth. Kyrgyzstan is with all the other stands um, in uh, Central Asia. All right. The seven stands, right? That's that. Oh, actually, the seven stands are playing Coachella. Oh, that's a great band. Yeah, it really is. You need to write that down. Right. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so this game is called Coke Boru. Coke Boru. Yeah. K O K B O R U. Coke Boru. Isn't that the restaurant that you used to get the chicken at and uh, they said it's good for you? Wait, no, that was Kukuru. Yeah, Kukuru. I remember that one. Yeah. All right. So, Rich, to get into this, let me ask you a couple questions. You All like right. you like hockey, right? Love hockey. All right. What do you love about hockey? Um, what don't I love about hockey? I mean, right. I love the speed. I love the elegance. I love the good, clean hits. Yep. Um, I love the characters. Uh, yep. I just love – there's a certain weird culture around – the sport of hockey that I don't think any other sport has, it's almost like kind of punk rock. Sure. You know, where it's just brutal, but just there are moments of elegance in there, and it is just a beautiful sport to watch. I mean, the goalies do have literal cat, cat-like cat reflexes, mm-hmm. for example, and that's actually proved. There's a show on that uh, – I can't even remember Fox Sports did. It's called Sports Science. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And they actually did a thing where they got the Capitals goaltender. I can't remember who it was at the time. But they actually did the reaction time, and they figured out, well, his movements are as fast as a cat. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway, that was right. a total divergent. But, yeah, no, that's every, what I love about hockey. Everything so, you said could explain Coke Peru. All right? Okay. So. I'm in. You don't hate hot soccer, right? No, I, the thing that I can't, the, the thing that keeps me drawn in about uh, soccer is uh, two things. The flopping. Yep. I cannot stand the flopping. And the fact that, you know, you get a goal in the first five minutes of the game and everybody plays essentially the neutral zone trap. Sure, sure. And that's just sure. frustrating. All right. So um, those things that frustrate you about soccer are not in Coke Peru, but the things you like about soccer are. Okay, good. All right. Uh, polo. Not water polo. We talked about that a couple yeah. of episodes ago. What, what do you know about polo? It's played on horse by uh, rich white people. Right. Exactly. Basics of the game are? You get on a horse and you get a mallet and you uh, knock a ball uh, around the pitch and you try to score goals. All right. So you understand everything about Coke Peru. All right. right All now. right. But you don't know anything about Coke Peru. Right. So, so it sounds like an amalgamation of different sports, or what's going on here? Yeah, it's actually very unique. It, um, it, it doesn't really lean on anything. It's, it's, it was created organically, and I'll tell you the story here in a little bit. But gosh, where, where to start? So many crazy things about Coke Peru. So Kyrgyzstan, extremely mountainous country. About 94% of the country is mountainous regions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So, um, and in fact, um, Kyrgyzstan is further from the ocean than any other nation. Oh, okay. So other nations might be further away from an ocean, but they have parts of them that are either connected to an ocean or closer to an ocean. Um, It it has very strong agricultural heritage, and the culture is extremely connected to the horse. So children as young as four and five start to learn uh, how to take care of horses, how to ride horses. Horses are absolutely vital to the um, uh, uh, agricultural and agrarian way of life. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, I know, like, you know, in other parts of the of the of Europe where there's huge mountainous regions like Italy with wine, um, they will do the thing where they will have horses and they'll walk down the uh, the vineyards to kind of tamp down the uh, soil. Absolutely. So that well, I imagine that's kind of some of the similar process that you see in Kyrgyzstan. Yep, some of those, and then also going out on the hunt, which is going to get uh, okay. uh, us important in a second. So the, the, the sport of Coke Peru actually goes back over 5,000 years. So okay. we thought we were going back along 2,000 years with Calcio Storico. This is going back over 5,000 years. The rules of the sport were only really defined and regulated beginning in 1949. 
right. So it hasn't been very long since it's been regulated, but it's been been played for a long time. Since 1949, there are now teams developed in the country. Play is sanctioned. There's actual uh, you know teams and an official governing body for it. And it's been the national pastime in Kyrgyzstan for generations. Um, it, it is a goal-type game. All right. Two teams. Um, and each team has four players on the pitch at a particular time, and they're all on horseback. And you have two forwards and two defenders, right? So you're trying to score a game. So the pitch is about 200 meters long and 70 meters wide. Okay. And the goals, they're called Tai Kazan as the goals. They're a meter high and four meters in diameter. Um, the best way I could think about that is if you go to Bolsa Chica Beach with the uh, the, the uh, uh, pits for the fire pits. Fire pits. Think right. of them giant sized. Okay. Right? So a, a meter high and then four meters in diameter, and right. and and with uh, and it's like a big giant tire. So essentially, for our listeners that aren't familiar with uh, Bolsa Chica, so just ginormous fire pits. Yeah. So okay. a, a complete circle, and you can you can put something. The goal is you put. In, in the in, into the inside, okay, and that's how you score. So right. it's kind of like a little bit of golf, then. Yeah, yeah, in some ways, yeah, yeah. So it's so it's not like a like a it's sort of maybe basketball because there's kind of a hoop okay. or a golf that there's a hole. Yeah, similar yeah. to that. Um, three twenty minute periods, so like hockey. That's hockey, right? yeah. And most goals wins. Okay. Oh, I almost forgot the most important thing. There's no ball. What? Yeah. Wait. Okay, you have all these things, and you're saying it's hockey, it's soccer, it's, you know, polo. Yep. And then there's, like, a apparently this hoop thing yep. that you – why is there not a ball? Is there, like, a puck? You play with a 33-kilogram goat carcass. What the <laughs> – what? No. Yes. How – what What are the logistics? So – they, they put the goat carcass in the middle of the, how do you move the bloody goat carcass so as you as you are as you are riding your horse you have to go down and you have to to lean all the way down and to the ground and scoop up the goat carcass nope. by your hands and then uh, ride to your goal and try to throw the goat carcass into the goal that's how you throw score the goat yep throw, no that's that's no it is, it, it, it's, it's crazy. Uh, again, the, the episode of Home Games does some amazing slow motion camera work to kind of see. It's amazingly athletic what these people have to do. Not only are they scooping it up, then they're riding a horse and they have to hold on to it and then they got to get it over the, to the Thai Kazan to the goal and they have to get it and lift it up and throw it into the goal while they're riding on the horse. Okay, that's way more. That sounds way more impressive than uh, Legolas getting on the horse in the uh, two towers. Of, you know, if you watch Lord yep. of the Rings, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. Now, after a team scores, there's not a face-off. The team that scored against just pulls the goat out, and the action starts going again. How deep is the How deep is the hole? Um, I mean, it's a meter high, and it's probably um, maybe like a third of a meter. You know, it's okay. It's so like they don't flip. have to like get like a crane down there and pick no. the goat up and no, no. It, you can you can grab it in there, but I mean, thirty three kilograms is no joke. I no, mean, it isn't. It's it's a hefty it's a yep. hefty beast, and yep. and again, you're throwing a goat around right now. Now, so, is there like stuff like interceptions or? Or could you like giveaways or takeaways or? Yeah, you could you could pass it off to somebody, but really, watching it, a lot of times they're holding on to the goat carcass with their leg, pinning it against the horse, while then they're you know whipping the horse to get going, and then the other horses and, and riders are coming in to knock into them to try to get them from. Uh, it's basically they're checking them. They're checking them with a they're horse. Checking them with a horse. Yeah. Horse checking. Yeah. Horse checking with a goat. Yeah, we're holding on to a goat, a goat carcass. Yeah. All right. Okay. At this point, I think you're just making stuff up. I'm not making it up. I, I, I swear it's real. Now the sport started when the men would go off and hunt. And while they were gone, the wolves would come and attack some of the unprotected livestock. And when the men returned, they would uh, come, round up the wolves, and they would kill them. And then they would end up playing catch with the fallen wolves uh, while they were on horseback. They would just kind of throw them back and forth to one another. 
and eventually it evolved into the regulated sport that we see today. And not once in the 5,000 years uh, history of the sport did they think, hey, we should replace an animal carcass with a ball or something. I know, not once, not once, not once. Now, the biggest tournament in the nation is called the President's Cup. Uh, And again, the fanfare leading up to the contest is pretty darn amazing. Uh, The episode of Home Games tells the story of the President's Cup, highlights the event, a couple of the star players, two of the big teams. Uh, Again, pretty amazing to watch. I don't want to spoil it for you. Just watch the episode. Um, That's disgusting. (laughs) Let me tell you you something that's going to blow your mind. Are you ready? Um, My mother-in-law has been to a Coke Baru match. What? No. She has. Was it a dare? I mean, I know your mother-in-law, and I know that she's cool, but... <laughs> she was she was visiting my brother-in-law, her son, and he was in Uzbekistan. Suddenly, uh, it makes a ton of sense. Right, right. They play a, 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 a very similar version of Coke Peru in Uzbekistan that they play in Kyrgyzstan. And she said it was, it was pretty amazing to watch. So... Yeah, just... Right. Wow, right. yeah. And I'm not making it up, I swear. At the break, I'm going to show you a few things uh, here. Right. Uh, speaking of the break, we're about halfway through um, our adventure around the world, but before we get to the end, oh, we're... one thing. Oh, I won't hit so the music the So what do you call the best player in... In Coke Peru? In Coke Peru. Is he the goat? Oh, because fantastic. That would just be, that would just be uh, kind of a weird thing. That would be meta. It would be meta, but they, they speak Russian there for the most part. So, oh, so. This is another thing. So, yeah. anyway, we don't need to get there. Let's do this. All right. We're going to take a quick little break. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. We've got two more wonderful places uh, to head in the world, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about something called Catch Fetish. All right. Catch Fetish. Catch Fetish. And I'm going to talk about. Gesundheit. Uh, Macapung Lumpet. Those are the two games we're going to talk about. Okay, is that the, the movie that uh, Don Knotts was a fan? No, that's Mr. Limpet. Okay, Incredible sorry. Mr. Limpet. All right, anyways, All right. we'll be back in a second. Right. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Rich and I may be new at podcasting, but our podcast partner is not. We use anchor.fm to host and distribute the Athletic Obscura podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way we have found to make and distribute a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's totally free, which is a huge selling point for us. Second, there are a ton of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. No additional software needed and no complex programs to learn. Once you've recorded your podcast, Anchor will distribute it for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. One of the coolest things is that you can actually make money from your podcast right away. No need to wait to grow your audience as there are no minimum listener requirements to be met, which helps you when you're just starting out. Anchor has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And we're back. Hey, uh... Over the break, I showed Rich uh, some videos of Calcio Storico and Coke Brew. What do you think? Oh, my gosh. First of all, Calcio Storico is uh, as violent as advertised. That's... No joke, right? Seriously brutal. I mean, just to let you know, I mean, if you're going to watch it, get ready for, like, face punching. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. serious face punching. Not like the face wash that uh, 
they do in hockey in right. the scrum. I mean, exactly. we're talking full on cold cock. Right. And then the other uh, sport, Coke Baru. Coke Baru. Yeah, that's a goat. It is a goat, right? It's a goat. That's all I got to say. It's like, <laughs> holy crud, that's a goat. It is It is a goat that they're putting in a goal. Yep, and that, and they score. And it's big time, big time there. All right, uh, we are going to head to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Okay. All right. Uh, but before we do, Rich, did you ever get into professional wrestling? Yeah, I, did. I actually, you know, growing up, it was, you know, the classic Hulk Hogan. Right. Uh, Iron Sheik, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, yep. Jake the Snake Roberts, yep. and all that. And then I left it away for a while, but then late 90s uh, comes around, and uh, my roommate at the time was still a wrestling guy. So, And then it was weird because as an adult, you watch it because you know it's staged and all that. Uh-huh. You watch it to appreciate the athleticism Absolutely. and the stunt coordination. So you're looking at like people like Mick Foley and The Rock and The Undertaker and the Dudley Boys and the Hardys. Yeah. And you're going, my gosh, what are they putting their body through? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Mick Foley, the things that he did were just unreal. You know, and I know we we talk about books off the air, but if you have you ever read Mick Foley's autobiography? No, I would always have wanted to. Get it. It is phenomenal. And he does the thing where he it's no ghostwriter. It's his autobiography, legit autobiography, and he's has some serious writing chops. And yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I probably had uh, the same kind of two phases in my life: uh, the the eighties WWF. Mm-hmm. You know, again, uh, Andre the Giant, uh, Superfly Snuka was one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, um, uh, Junkyard Dog, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yep. You know, all the ones that you said, too. And again, the same thing with you. Early 2000s, I was teaching high school. Some of my students really were into wrestling, so that kind of got me back into it again. Again, Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, all those ones that you mentioned, too. It was was just great. I mean, in the ECW where, you know, like like the Dudley Boys came from. And and, Sting. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, also, like, you know, uh, I had a friend who turn me on to like some extreme japanese uh wrestling there's a guy named mr danger awesome, awesome. and Great he name. did stuff that even ecw wouldn't touch it was uh, just brutal i went to watch a filming of glow do you remember glow oh my gosh yes i mean and that's the Netflix show was great because they covered a lot of stuff that actually happened. Yeah, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Is yes, what Glow was. It was at the at the fabulous forum before they yep. uh, was went a church Vegas. and then and went to Vegas. Yeah, I I forgot all about that. Going yeah. to go see the, and, that Glow. Well, you know that uh, the fabulous Moolah passed away like uh, six months ago. Oh yeah, yeah I think yeah. I remember seeing mm-hmm. some of that. I was I loved wrestling. In fact, I still kind of keep an eye on it just a little bit. Uh, I there was a time in my life. I was like ordering all the pay-per-views and yep. like WrestleMania was bigger in my mind than Super Bowl Sunday. Oh yeah. Well, it was a big thing. And what was great was you had these uh, people and again, legitimate skills. I mean, Absolutely. the one that immediately comes to mind is Kurt Angle. Yeah. You know, he won gold in the 96 Olympics <laughs> and his whole character was kind of a parody of, cause when, uh, when he would win a match in, WWE, he would parody his own reaction to winning the gold yep. medal. Yep, it was great. In Atlanta. One, one, so, and, you know, you have heels and baby faces yeah. and that whole and the thing. the fact that they made Angle, uh, an Olympic gold medalist, a heel. Right, Was exactly. a stroke of uh, creative yep. genius. Yep. So we're going to go off to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and we're going to learn about catch fetish. All right? Gesundheit. Exactly. I think uh, I said that joke at the break and you didn't laugh, so I want to make sure you heard it. I apologize. It's the, terrible. The DRC was a, a former French colony. Uh-huh. All right, so they speak French, and catch fetiche is basically uh, wrestling with voodoo. All right? Okay. So they take wrestling with the voodoo. And so in, in the capital city of Kinshasa, Kinshasa, um, this is no joke of a city. I mean, 11 million people. Okay. So this is not, well, yeah. People, we forget about how uh, how big the cities are in Africa. Yeah. I mean, because we concentrate on, you know, the, the ones that everybody knows by name. Like, you know, the one, you know, uh, Nairobi right, is the right. one that immediately comes to mind. Right. Uh, or the cities in uh, Southern Africa, like Johannesburg and South Africa or you know, the cities in northern, uh, like, you know, Cairo or Morocco yeah. or Tunisia. Like, like Lagos, Nigeria. Tunis, huge. yeah. Huge. Lagos, Nigeria, yeah. 
So anyways, in Kinshasa, um, uh, catch fetish is one of the most popular sports. All right. Massive stars, fan favorites, huge crowds, VIPs, government officials come okay. to the matches. It's huge. Now, same basic concept of the, as the WWE today when we used to watch wrestling. Same basically thing. Uh, choreographed. I mean, don't want to burst anybody's bubble here. Um, but uber athletic. Mm-hmm. Just, just amazing to see it. And the goal is the same. You want to pin your opponent for a three count, right? So it's the same basic thing. Each neighborhood in Kinshasa has um, like neighborhood wrestling stars. And then on Liberation Day, which is kind of like their 4th of July, a big holiday in the DRC, they have a big event where the, the big um, wrestlers from each of the neighborhoods come down to the city center and they have a, a major event. So it's kind of like WrestleMania. Okay. Right? Um they're riding on, uh, you know, the top of, of, of uh, taxi vans and the crowd is following them and they're all, you know, pumped up. Um, but wrestling goes way back in the DRC, actually to the 1960s. All right. Right after um, uh, they got out of the, the um, they became an independent nation. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of this uh, Western style wrestling was extremely popular. They had some really uh, wonderful stars. 1965 is when the the dictator Sacco came to power and he banned all Western practices. And wrestling, or known as catch, was uh, in danger of going away. So they didn't really want it to go away, but they couldn't really practice it in a Western style. So there's a number of Congolese wrestlers that really gave the sport a distinct uh, twist. So they added... Fetish or voodoo. Okay. So, so it's much more of a political origin. Uh, to, to begin with is that to be able to continue to wrestle, it needed to be distinctly Congolese. All right. And see, that's fascinating. That's a recurring theme of these shows that we're doing, right? It's like so much of this stuff was motivated by political activity. Absolutely. So even though the majority of people in the DRC would um, say that they are Christian, um, underneath that is a, is a big um, uh, belief in, in voodoo or at least spiritual practices. You know, this would be like uh, Santeria in the, some of the uh, Latin American cultures. Same, same type of a thing. Uh, Witch doctors, there's Mm -hmm. still lots of them there. Um, and, and and let me tell you, the WWE storylines and the showstoppers have nothing on catch fetish. Okay. It's phenomenal. Um, using fetish or, or voodoo, uh, they do some pretty amazing things. There's one wrestler, uh, one of his finishing moves is to pull the guts out of the person and end up eating them. All right. What? Now he doesn't literally. I pull would the guts hope out. not, because no, no, no. that sounds no, no. even worse than but, the cow game. But it's a, the, cow, <laughs> the goat game, right? But um, but they they use the the voodoo as the way in which to to kind of to, as part of the show. So he uses voodoo to reach into this guy's stomach and pull out his intestines and ends up eating them. It's crazy. Uh, people get their eyes pulled out. There's people drinking blood. But again, people all understand that this is part of the show. Right. right. This isn't actually happening. Right. It's like Alice Cooper didn't get his head chopped off. Correct. All yeah. of those things. But but it, it, it was just, it's loved by the people. And by the 1970s, it's basically the national sport in, in the DRC. All right. Uh, people love, people love catch fetish. Now, in, in modern day Kinshasa, um, there's not like uh, a gym for them to go out and, and work in or to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in the, in the show on Netflix, you see them uh, basically they find big giant heavy steel and iron gears and they kind of put them onto this big pole and they start doing bench press and okay. shoulder press and all that kind of stuff. They're working. Uh, they work on their routines, not on in a ring, they basically have just a, they lay a couple of like little exercise or yoga mats down and they work on their routines there. So it's, it's, there's not a lot that's going on now on, on liberation day. As the wrestlers come into, uh, to town, uh, everybody is celebrating anyways. It's kind of like a big party and, uh, they have, uh, this amazing event that gets set up. Now it's not in a, an arena or a stadium, it's like in a big in a big lot, and have people standing on top of the buildings, standing on top of buses. Uh, they they build, uh, they bring in uh, uh, a whole bunch of seats, 
VIPs are in the first couple of rows. Uh, let me tell you about a couple of the stars. Are you ready? A couple, of, a couple of the Go wrestling stars. Yeah. There, there's the Lipsasas. They're twins. All right? All right. One wrestles. The other does voodoo outside of the ring. Okay. All right? So you got one doing all the stuff inside. Uh, I don't want to give away their, their finishing move. You really need to watch it. All right. It is amazing. Their finishing move, okay, is just is just fantastic. Uh, there's Giga, uh, he kind of reminds me of Hulk Hogan, uh, kind of uh, I would he would be like a baby face kind of wrestler, uh-huh. uh, just like uh, you know just super strong, uh, super popular. Um, they they match him up with a younger wrestler in a tag team event, and Giga has to come in and save him against the two other bad okay. guys and stuff like that. It's really great. Uh, there's another wrestler called Death Punch. Okay, and his finishing move sounds like. Is it is a death in the punch. name? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I just thought of something as you're describing these guys, the voodoo and the finishing moves and stuff. It sounds an awful lot like Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah, I would see. I, I would, would see just that. finish him. You know, yeah. where the the one move where the guy rips the guy's spinal cord out of the thing. Right. It's like this sounds like Mortal Kombat. Well, right. I mean, WWE wrestlers have it like with the, with the rock bottom or you yeah. know uh, the what's the Undertaker's uh, the tombstone the tombstone yeah. You know, there, no. there, there's the or the finishing move of like Jake the Snake Roberts pulling the snake out or all yep. of those same kind of a things. Yeah, uh, there is a, there's another wrestler called Crocodile Tail, okay. and basically he ends up wrapping up his opponents and spins them like a crocodile, and then would drag them to the water. Or is kind right. of his finishing move. And then there's Queen Shakira. She's a, a female wrestler, but there's no like just female division. Everybody just wrestles everybody. Okay. And she g- goes uh, uh, into the ring and she's throwing cash into the crowd. And there's almost a riot. Uh, and she just beats the crud out of the men that are in there. It's it's amazing. There's this common fetish trick uh, in, uh, in Catch Fetiche where somebody uses a, a spell to s- kind of stop time. So you're in the middle of this of this uh, of this match, and they'll cast the spell, and then the referee and the opponent like freeze. Okay, and then the the, the other person can do other things. Now that spell is only happening in the ring, so everybody else gets to see what's happening, mm-hmm. uh, and then the um, the person can uh, do their finishing move while every while time is done. Like this one, where they they take a hamster and they smash it over the head of another person. All right. <laughs> Anyways, um, I don't well like a, like a, a ball peen hammer, like one of those novelty like mallets, like you see in the cartoon. No, 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 no. Hamster. Oh, hamster! I thought you said hammer. I'm like, okay. How, I was really just trying to think of the logistics of how they would fade. Hamster is hilarious. Hamsters completely different now i don't want to spoil any more of the episode um but but here here are the main points that they talk about catch fetish catches in the imagination okay plays to the crowd and compels you to believe and it is loved in the drc that's awesome um now how now forgive me for being ignorant here but how is the political situation in the congo do they have has it change to allow western practices in yeah it's a lot more open okay than it is now i don't know the the all of the details necessarily but i think it's a it's a lot better of a situation okay because i'd be curious to see if they've actually if there's been a, a subset of bringing just focusing on the catch yeah um well i, I don't really know i, I think the, the real thing about catch fetish is the voodoo i mean right everybody uses voodoo everybody has sort of a a, a finishing type move uh, that all is is voodoo related, and again, if you watch the episode, fascinating stuff that they end up doing. I am absolutely in. Yep, yep, good stuff. All right, uh, let's take one last stop. You ready, Rich? Yep. All right, we're going to go off to the beautiful island of Bali. Oh, nice, all right, Bali. What do you know about Bali, Rich? It is beautiful. Absolutely, it's uh, it's actually, if I'm not mistaken, it is a travel destination. Uh, a international travel destination because you have the whole thing the white sandy beaches the blue water um all that stuff yep yep uh beautiful place beautiful location have Uh, you ever been never been i've never been to that part of the world at all okay uh next question uh you like any kind of racing yeah like what kind of racing um different kinds i grew up loving uh formula one racing sure uh, you know, when I was a kid, it was like the first athlete I kind of thought, oh, well, I'm going to be A.J. Foyt. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he was a uh, he was cool. He was like the epitome of like a cool F one racer. Yeah, and uh, turned out that he wasn't exactly the coolest person. Sure, sure. I have an AJ Foyt story. I'm going to tell you in a second. Okay, uh, but yeah, that and I appreciate horse racing. I mean, yep. um, obviously, there's the betting angle with that, which is always fun. But and there's nothing quite as exciting as putting money on a horse and having that horse win. Absolutely, I, I'm a fan of indie car racing. Yeah. Um, it started uh, back uh, many years ago. My aunt took me to Carburation Day, the Indy 500, mm-hmm. which is like the Thursday before the race. It was amazing. Uh, I, I was able to take a picture of A.J. Foyt while he just got out of his car and was kind of mm-hmm. there. I still have it to this day. It's great. I saw Al Unser, Mario Andretti. The speed at the at the Indy 500 is amazing. Yeah. You see those cars like coming off of, uh, of turn four. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see them and you can hear them. But when they pass by you, you really can't see them because they're going so fast. And then again, you can see them down on turn one again. It's just it's just amazing. And now, I know you uh, live in Long Beach. So have you ever gone to the Long Beach, Long Beach Grand Prix? Man, I have wanted to go so many times, but it just never really worked in, in my, my schedule. Uh-huh. Um, I even have a couple people who have some, some connections and some contact. Now, it's way more than just one race on Sunday. Right. You know, there's a couple of weeks of racing, and I, I need to get down there sometime. I just okay. haven't done it. Um, so back to Bali. We're going right. to go to a, a sport called uh, Makapung Lampet. Makapun right? Lampet. And if you haven't already guessed, it's a race. Okay. But perhaps not the kind of race you were thinking about. All right. The engine is a water buffalo. All right. And the race course, <laughs> race course is a flooded rice paddy. All right. I'm laughing because you said water buffalo and my my mind immediately went to veggie tails. Oh, of course. Everybody loves water buffalo. Yep. All right. Now, there is a very understandable story of how they started drag racing water buffalo in rice paddies in Bali and it begins with a bet. Like many things do on what we talk that's about. Awesome. Right? I mean, that's how the whole uh, walking pedestrianism started. Absolutely. Right? It was with a bet. All right. So at the start of growing season, the rice fields end up being flooded with water and the buffalo are brought in to flatten the soil and to get it ready for planting. So there's a um, kind of a plow with a, a little flattened paddle that's behind them, and they walk back and forth in the rice paddy to um, to get it ready so that they can start planting. Now, early 1900s, after a day of plowing, some of the farmers finished early, and they realized their buffalo were not quite tired yet, so they had a bet whose pair of water buffalo would be faster. So they started racing them. Um, there in Bali. And now for over a hundred years, they've been racing in the rice paddies every other Sunday from July through November. And the entire community comes out to watch. All right. Um, and it's basically a, a, a drag race. There are three jockeys. Each jockey has a team of two water buffalo with them, and they race across a hundred meter flooded rice paddy. Uh, and you have to stay on your plow. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if your buffalo finish and you're not on it, it doesn't count. And you have three racers. You race once. The top two move into a finals, and then you run, and then the the um the final, and then you win. Right? Okay. There's no style points or any kind of those kind of things. But what's amazing is that they they uh, dress the water buffalo up. Okay. Like amazing headdresses. All right. And all sorts of pretty amazing things. Uh, it it is a huge sense of cultural pride in in Bali. I'm getting uh, with a lot of these. There's a lot of cultural uh, pride going on, and I think the juxtaposition of this weirdness that we, or what we perceive as Americans as a weirdness, coupled with this pageantry, and right. it's all in that sport. And this with dressing up the water buffalo in that that really plays into that. Ends up, uh, and I didn't really talk about this about Coke Peru, but Coke Peru and uh, in Macapon Lampet, the the either the rider or the the jockey has a very very close bond with the animals. Okay, like they're the ones who are, are taking care of them every single day. Uh, probably have grown up with these particular animals. There's a lot of trust that has been uh, formed. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, similar to kind of how some of the jockeys um, with the horses are right. are here. Um, one of the, the people that they highlight in the show is a jockey, um, and she's only 13 years old. Okay. And they just show her. It's just a fantastic uh, story uh, 
about it. Um, what what I'd like to do, Rich, is we're gonna we're gonna take a really quick break, right okay? Here, and I'm gonna show you a little bit of those, uh, and then I want to get your uh, reaction for that from that. That okay? works. So awesome. I, we'll be right back. Just in. Just hang on. Just a second. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Not even a commercial break after that. Yeah. One. But uh, Richard and I spent about 15 minutes watching uh, a little bit of uh, of uh, more of, of Home Game. What do you think, Rich? I have so many questions. Okay. I mean, just some of the, the, the cat fetish, uh, just some of that voodoo that they do is just, I, I just want to know, like, how they do this from a logistical standpoint, how from a special effects standpoint, just, it's pretty mind-boggling. Um, yeah, I showed you the finishing move of the La Pasas, right? Yeah. I don't want to give it away, but, right? Amazing? Yeah, that's specifically that one. I'm trying to figure out the peripheries involved, uh, yeah. just not only with that match, but how that affects overall. And talk about winning the crowd, right? Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And then... Um, the racing, Macapun-Lampet. Yeah, Macapun-Lampet, yeah. That's strangely elegant. It's a beautiful sport, isn't it? It really is. I mean, because I, I think part of that is just the water buffalo, when they move, the way it's filmed, it, they look so graceful. They do. They do. Um, and, yeah, it's just and that incredible. started that started as a very practical thing. Yeah. You know, they needed to do that in the rice paddies anyway. And that that makes me think of another question that I have for you is, do they kill two birds with one stone? I mean, do they use this as not only as a racing, as a sport, but also to get agricultural stuff done? Because they are technically putting the buffalo through the rice paddy. Yeah, I don't know if you're able to do it at that fast of a rate or you have to do it slower. I don't, I don't really know, but it would yeah. seem like they could. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I'm not, I'm not sure about rice agricultural in that part of the country, in that sure. part of the world, but it just seems like it was born out of a practical mean, just happened to have, um, you know, well, it came out of a bet, so. Well, right, exactly. My, my water buffalo is faster than your water buffalo. Yeah. Right. Now, I wish we had more time. Uh, if you liked any of these, and if you want to watch more about them, you can check out the Netflix docuseries called Home Game. Uh, we're not getting paid to say that, but hey, Netflix, if you want to throw something our way, we yeah. take it, right? Yeah. I don't know what that would be. Yeah. Uh, that'd be awesome. Uh, and to sweeten the deal, I've actually watched the Bad Sports series, which you should be watching too, because that's phenomenal. Yeah, that uh, that was another on my list. Yeah. Absolutely. There are four other episodes uh, um, in the series. One is on the Scottish Highland Games. One is on free diving. One's on roller derby. And then there's wrestling from India called Pelwani. All right. All right. And if you uh, need to watch... Um, uh, and you really do need to watch the Catch Fetish episode to see that finishing move. Yeah. Right? It's it's so weird. Pretty amazing, right? Oh, my gosh. Right. Rich, final thoughts? This is strange. But, you know, Seth and I were talking that this looks strange from our American perspective. However, if you were to go to a part of the world that is not familiar with, say, American baseball. Right. And you would try to explain the rules of baseball, they would probably look at you the same way that we look at some of these sports. Well, especially like, like Cuckaroo, you know. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, for this sport we call baseball, the the action starts with the defense holding the ball. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah, and the defense is trying to make sure the offense does not connect. Yeah, and there's no time. There's no time, so you know there's certain rules, so there's not a time limit, so this game can theoretically go on forever it's fascinating there there's there's the world of sports is is weird strange and unknown there's a lot out there Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why we love them getting way back in the beginning of this episode why 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 world of sports was so important uh, because it really just brought you a perspective of different cultures different people and you know because it wasn't the the four major sports groups, uh, sports uh, that were around us, or the five, if you want to include soccer. Um, It's it's, uh, such a breath of, and again, it's interesting because there's a lot of connection because you always say it's like you get to know a culture through their food or their drink. You also can 
ascertain a lot of stuff by their sports absolutely and their entertainment yep right um, um it, it 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 broadens our horizons it does it helps us to see people uh in in a different light sometimes we only see them through the lens of politics mm-hmm. uh, and to see them through the lens of sport i think in 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 many of these sports at the end of the particular match everybody was was friends again in calcio storico the the two teams are you know live with each other in the in the city of florence they mm-hmm. work with each other. At the end of the game, they were kind of, you know, partying and drinking with each other as well, you know. Um, now, not all sports are that way, you know. I mean, we, we saw uh, sports can bring out the worst in us. The whole incident that we saw this week in, in college basketball between um, – Juwan Howard. Yeah, Michigan yeah. And, and, and Wisconsin. That was not, mm-hmm. a, not a good look. But um, to at the end of the game, I think about Stanley Cup playoffs. At the end, the of handshake a, line, the handshake line, yep. the 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 hard fought. No matter what happens or how emotional you are at the end of that, you are uh, able to shake hands at the end of that. And you, that doesn't mean that you're not disappointed if you're on right. the losing I side. Mean, or and that doesn't mean that there's regret. I mean, the infamous uh, Chris Draper. Uh, I can't believe I shook his freaking hand. Talking right. or not not Chris Draper, but uh, I can't I can't even remember the Red Wing player. But when Lemieux. Uh, Broke uh, Chris Draper's face with that dirty hit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, um, fascinating. There are some. Dino other... Cicerelli, That's who it I was. knew it would Thank come you. to you. Um, there's some other things uh, that are on. Uh, if you're a sports fan, the the pool is deep in Netflix with uh, docu series and documentaries about sports. So. It really is. They do a really good job, and um, they're not just your basic stories. Like getting back to that bad sport, it's like. The one thing that – the one episode in particular that fascinated me was involving cricket and uh, just the corruption that happened in that sport. Yeah. Uh, And it was just mind-bending because without these series, I would have never even heard about it. Well, and I I think we are are poorer for not having something like Wide World of Sports uh, accessible to lots of people. 100%. 100%. And I'm actually kind of shocked that there hasn't been a, uh, a sports network or any network that's really picked up the mantle from wide world of sports because yep. we've done this so much with travel, with food, with drink, and all this stuff, and we just can't connect with that, and that needs to uh, reoccur. We need a, a, a videographer and a producer who will take us around the world so we can experience these sports and bring them to people. Yeah, because, you know, I'd watch Motorcycle on Ice again. I would, too. That'd be fantastic. All right. Uh, Thanks again for listening, Uh, everybody. If you have a topic idea for us or you want to chat, agree, disagree, uh, send us an email. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. You can subscribe, rate, and comment on your podcast platform of choice. This does help us out a lot. Um, And uh, if you've enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, you can leave us a review. That would be super helpful for us. If you want to support us financially, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash athletic obscura and you can buy us coffee and like we said before we probably won't buy coffee with it we'll probably buy a cocktail cocktail for sure uh please connect with us on twitter i'm gonna hit the music here uh we post uh, weird strange and unknown tidbits just about every day and i'd be happy to connect with you there if you are interested in sponsoring the show in a more substantial way feel free to contact us via, via email we'll get the ball rolling on that heck i would even just take a, a one episode sponsor you know, you want to just pimp out something as long as we agree with it. It can't yeah. has to be, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. Happy birthday to somebody. We'll do shout outs. Happy birthday shout outs. Do a shout out, yeah. To our tens of listeners. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, don't forget to check out anchor.fm for all of your podcast needs. Uh, Rich, we got a couple things in the works, but let's not spoil it about what might be next because we've got lots of irons in the fire right now. We have a ton. And I mean, it's weird because. A lot of this stuff really just falls in our lap organically. There's a story that I just found out about uh, a couple of weeks ago that just blew me away about uh, imposter-ship. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and getting into the world of sports as somebody completely being an imposter of somebody. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. We're, we're still working on the Globetrotters episode. We're working on an episode about uh, um, sports in, in Atlanta. Atlanta. Working on the, uh, the NFL in, in uh, World War II. Couple of other things. So, yeah. Uh, I can't wait until next time when we invite you to a, another discussion of the weird, strange, and unknown in sports. Adios, everybody. Bye. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh,
my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big home touchdown. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Electric acid.